Welcome, current and future VeloFluence. You are now tuned into the VeloFlow podcast to take your cycling journey to the next level. I'm your host, Zed Pitts. What's your flow? All right, all right, all right. Um, I know it's been quite some time since I've recorded a podcast and I want to I want to apologize for the the delay but I can't really because it was a little bit out of my control in that you know we are all dealing with the social unrest and I am living really close to ground zero here in the Minneapolis St. Paul area so quite naturally I'm feeling the effects of the whole thing of the killing of George Floyd and I'm watching social media and how people are turning on each other but I don't want to really get too political on this podcast but I am going to warn you that there will there will be some nuanced um, topics that I'm going to be brushing over and at the same time you will get your <laughs> you will get your fitness tips and of course I will spin you up on some updates on what's been going on with my fitness and my cycling journey you know utilizing Zwift and um, the Sufferfest and how am I dealing with my Graves disease as an adaptive sports veteran and that's both things you know I say veteran in that I have been in the adaptive sports world via the military and um for quite a long time you know since i want to say 2000 has it been 2015 so but just recently i've been you know trying to get a little bit more serious and take my cycling to the next level on a professional level and i want to log these you know these steps that i am taking my time, you know, researching to get them to you, VeloFluence, because a lot of you are just like, where do I start? And so this, this episode, this 10th episode is very special in that I'm going to be covering so much and there's so much to unpack. Um, so it's going to be a little bit lengthy, but try to hang in there with me. I'm going to try not to bore you too much but of course you know I have to go over my beverage for that seems to be one of the the little things um, this time I'm drinking some amino acids now I don't quite know the name of I forget the name of the brand but I I found it at Sam's Club and it seems to be working I am not waking up 
to like the lactic acid buildup from doing some really hard efforts on the bike. So I say I really appreciate that much, you know. So um, right now I'll be, you know, drinking a little bit every once in a while because I will be talking for quite some time um, during this podcast. You know, I have to do it. Otherwise, it'd be like, is his head like in the clouds or did he stick it in the ground somewhere? Um, So I got to tell you, like, how was I affected by this whole George Floyd thing? And I am a black man in America, so um, I feel like I have to address this whole thing. And um, one thing that I noticed, um, there is a big thing with the, the council culture. And I feel like a lot of organizations out there are becoming more aware of the how white their organizations are and this I feel like I feel like they were kind of a fish in water in that you know they didn't really they didn't really pay attention to the demographic they were just you know trying to run their organization and by no means am I giving them an excuse for excluding um, a group or certain groups of people from their marketing um, their marketeering techniques and their target marketing schemes and things of that nature but I noticed that a lot of them they became more aware you know with the social unrest and to call out a few kudos to um, Global Cycling Network it seems like um, they're more into their They've announced, they made a public statement. I think it was Cy that um, took the reins on the public statement. He um, pretty much put it out there like, hey, we are sorry for not really covering the racial um, access disparity when it came to cycling. And um, I noticed that there, I became more aware that there are organizations out there like the Black Cyclist Network, which I feel like, I don't know if the Black Cyclist Network and the Global Global Cyclist Network talk at all, but it seems like they are aware of each other because I do see on the social media um, them posting things. Well, at least the Black Cyclist Network posts things from GCN, Um, in the past so I thought that was interesting so it 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 might be some kind of down the road um, plan or initiative to um, include more people of color in the sport of cycling and it's funny how in the past it was like yeah there were black cyclists but they only bring up like major taylor or something and i'm like that was like years ago how can we how can we time switch as though um there are other major taylors out there that are really you know doing big numbers and don't get me wrong i am aware of the williams brothers in california and um Rasan Bahati and his foundation and he has a team you know the Bahati foundation team so 
there are organizations out there that do cover this racial disparities issue when it comes to the sport of cycling but i feel like it's still we still have a ways to go right we can't be satisfied with you know the status quo right now so i actually just like the council culture not as you know not as zero tolerant as they are i try to be more accommodating for organizations to increase their awareness you know once the issue of um, blackness and cycling is brought to their attention they need to i hold them accountable for making or taking the initiatives to bring more more people of color into cycling so i did notice like usa cycling you know they've been more intentional with their advertisements um and then i did notice like my my um club organization that i'm with the uh, um us mes they are being more conscious of their inclusive their initiative of being more inclusive when it comes to people of color and endurance sports because they they cover triathlon too um when it, in regards to cycling for me you know so i feel like this 2020 year in combination with covid has really made people more sensitive to how things are strung together and then the george floyd murder actually you know shook everything it it broke the foundation of comfort you know it, it was like icing on the cake so um so going into the COVID though i did notice that there is a split and i don't really know how you velofluence feel about you know to mask or not to mask and if you look on social media it seems like the mask in and of itself is kind of like a it's like a I don't know what the word it's it's a divisive device in that it's separating the world um, population like if you're not wearing a mask then you must be like um, like a Trump or something you know like I'm not gonna uh, believe in COVID or I'm not gonna um, I'm not going to um, follow professional advice or COVID isn't real I've heard that I've heard that and I'm just like wow that's interesting of course I you know I don't oftentimes I don't really go there when it comes to people and their beliefs but I'm like my mother, she tested positive for COVID and she got really, really sick and she got over it, luckily, thank you, thank goodness, right? But a lot of people have been dying and for you or anyone to say that COVID isn't real, I'm just like, man, that's, that's interesting. What is leading you to this mindset? Is it your political views? Is it your religious views? And then me, I have to respect that. 
but at the same time, I cannot allow my friends or my acquaintances who do not believe that COVID exists or do not follow the protocols of municipalities or like, for example, the government might, and they have released orders about, you know, outdoor activity. And if you go cycling or running, you should be, you know, masked up or at least, you know, socially or physically rather distant from others when you're doing these, when you're taking part of, in your endurance sport, whether it's running or cycling. And um, I, I just cannot allow other people within my space because, you know, I have, I have a fiance who can't afford to get sick because she's um, pursuing her PhD and then I'm immunocompromised, you know, so I can't risk it. I don't want to risk it. And I, I feel like um, I, I've actually had to cut some relationships a little bit loose, not to cut them off completely, but I had to distance myself like mentally or socially and physically in order to safeguard the relationship that I had with them. And this is in the sports community and I, it's unfortunate, but I gather once we get past this pandemic, we would be able to reconvene and, and figure out like revisit like what does it take for someone to believe in a pandemic? Does it take them to get sick? Nine times out of ten, I would like I would like to say yes. It would take their um, close one, their loved ones, to get sick and be like close to death almost. Um, in order for them to have a wake-up call. And I, I don't want that for them, but in many cases, that's what it takes, and that's unfortunate. But we've been, well, me and my peers that may or may not mask up, we have been able to meet each other halfway. And how have we been able to do that? We have been able to do that via Zwift. So... <laughs> Um, you know, and you, and you hear the banter, like we, we use Zwift, um, in combination with Discord and, um, I feel like even though, you know, they may or may not believe in COVID or they may or may not believe in racism, that's a thing. Like some people don't believe racism actually exists and that's strange, but that's strange to me. And the only thing that I can control is what's going on in my circle in, and in my family for the most part when we have those conversations. So on Zwift, you know, all of that goes out of the window. We're more focused on um, how can we get stronger together? And I think that's a big that's a big thing. That's a big deal. How this virtual platform can actually bring people together. And um, I actually think it's a, it's a good thing that I actually paid attention to virtual cycling because once COVID hit, of course, quite naturally, everybody was looking for an alternative, right? 
But then there was the thing where people were socially isolated from those riding, those run groups because of, um, you know, governmental or um, orders, you know, not to congregate, not to have huge um, social athletic events. And of course you had the rebels, you know, and there was no real, I don't think there was like a real like punishment or punishment system um, across the board. When I'm, I'm talking like state to state, there was no real like, if you do this, this will happen to you, you will be fine, whatever. So um, I'm just glad that I was able to hook up with like my, my Invictus Games mentor, um, Andy Perrin. I always say his last name incorrectly. So American of me. Perrin. Um, and basically just build a relationship with him and expand outward. So from that relationship, we were actually able to create a Sunday ride specifically for the Invictus Games Foundation. And so far up until this point, I think we've had um, about eight rides. Correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, if you hear this, but yeah, since we've, we've brought The Hague home because we had to act fast about, you know, a lot of athletes out there were, they were struggling mentally because they've, you know, they've been like practicing and training all year for um, the Invictus Games for this year, but they got canceled. And um, bringing The Hague home, we were very successful in that. And I'm, I'm really appreciative of Zwift and thank, thank Zwift so much for having that go on. And then, you know, and so, so despite, in spite of all this, um, the racial, the racial issues, the political issues, I've been kind of able to escape to Zwift in this virtual world of inclusivity. And it's, it's been great. And it's been helping me stay focused on my training um, with the Sufferfest as well, because you know the Sufferfest allows me to see how much effort I need to be putting out on certain days. And then we have the Zwift that that provides me with that social aspect that cycling offers. I mean, not to say other sports don't, but you don't get to ride in a cycling group right now, like not in Minneapolis, or you will be almost socially ostracized. So um, it's safer to, well, for me, health-wise, to stay indoors and train indoors. And then there's the aspect of that I can't, I can't ignore of my safety. Um, there have been some extremists out there. Um, one event in particular 
Um, I know it's like 30 minutes away, but in Wisconsin, there was a young lady who was set on fire because she was black, you know? So I can't, I, it's interesting because I talked to, um, I talked to a friend of mine or acquaintance. I can't, I can't really call him a friend at this point uh, because we don't really have that much energy exchange, but I feel like he's mm, overall a good person. Sometimes he kind of puzzles me, but anyway. Um, he lives in Wisconsin, and um, I don't know if he's been a witness to racism in Wisconsin, but he doesn't agree with the whole, you know, the whole racial or racial disparities aspect of our society, according to what he's written on his social media posts. And, um, but I don't know if he understands, like, I, I can't really go out and ride my bike in the countryside and expect to be safe. Um, there was a time when I lived in, um, Alabama and specifically Tuscaloosa and I would ride my bike and um, I don't know if I mentioned, I can't remember if I mentioned this in another podcast, but there were instances where I would find myself in the countryside and, you know, me, I'm naive at the time. I just want to get out and ride, you know. I didn't really, my schedule, um, I was going to school at the time, my, my school schedule and the group ride that was available schedule wasn't in alignment so I had to oftentimes ride alone and um, there were times where when I would be followed by like a truck bearing a confederate flag and then they would finally pass but then I would see like glass bottles fly out of the the truck you know onto the ground you know like what are they doing you know they saw me riding my bike and the most interesting thing is I found myself, um, I found myself like wearing more patriotic cycling gear, like red, white, and blue or, or gold and black to represent the army in order to be safe. And I don't think that my, I don't know if my, my acquaintance in Wisconsin, uh, really understood the um that aspect but in that light i have to stop right here because that was quite a bit to unpack for you velo Florin. so i'm gonna do a part two to this episode 10 so until next time find your flow tuning into the VeloFlow Project podcast. You can stay connected to all things VeloFlow Project via Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also
also find the links to the VeloFlow Projects podcast and all social media platforms in the description section of this episode.